Everybody, welcome back to the Manga Sensei Podcast. This podcast is about、um, three episodes in the making.、Um, <laughs> third time is the charm.、Um, today, we're interviewing probably the nicest woman in the world because she's been so kind to me. Teddy <laughs>、um, Matsuura,、uh, the host and writer and the everything of Uncanny Japan. The podcast, which is one of my personal favorite podcasts, not only because Terry is so nice to me, but actually, it's, it's a lot of really, really good, interesting stories. And if you like Japanese folk tales and things of that nature, then this will be right up your alley. But,、uh, Terry, why don't you kind of give everybody a quick introduction to who you are? Okay, yes, I'm Terry、uh, Matsura. I came to Japan in 1990, so I've been here a very long time. I'm a writer.、Uh, got two collections, short story collections out. The last one was just nominated for a Bram Stoker Award alongside Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. And I also do a podcast, and that has do, been doing quite well. About two years I've been doing that.、Mm. And it's kind of taken off in its own little way. And yeah, I live in Japan, small little fishing town. But、that's where, as we've talked about before, that's where all the, all the good stories are at. They're actually out there in the Inaka. Yes, that's what it feels like. At least there's, there's that little bit of wilderness out there when you get to walk by, you know, the little Ginza statues on the, or the Ginza, the little Gizo statues on the side of the road.、Mm. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of comes together. That's what your new little logo is on it. It's, 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 it's a Gizo, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little, it's an、uh, Ojizo and. So, the、okay. idea behind the logo was that,、um, that Japan kind of has two sides, right? There's the, the, the zen, the quiet, the, the sweet side. And、um, some people think that that's like all Japan. You come to Japan and there's, there's gardens and there's Mount Fuji and everything's beautiful and serene. But if you kind of chip away that, you can go inside and there's the oni. So, the oni, so that the logo is like half. Oji, so half oni. And the oni is the,、um, the darker side, all the,、um, the spooky stuff that I, I'm really attracted to. <laughs> so it's kind of a yeah, representation of both the sweet, serene Japan and the spooky, scary, creepy stuff. But see, that's, that's I don't know, we were talking yesterday with one of my professors at、uh, BYU, Brigham Young University, and、uh, we were talking、mm. about kind of how. Wabi sabi kind of evolved right out, of the, right out of this hand period. So you get like this pristine,、mm. idealistic image of Japan with, you know,、mm-hmm. the bujo and all that fun stuff. And then it kind of just falls into, it kind of starts to fall apart. And they try, they glorify this kind of falling backside of things before Zen kind of gets introduced. And it kind of reminded me、yeah. of that because it's this nice, pristine image. Then we start appreciating the moss covering the rocks instead of just the falling sakura blossoms. Exactly, exactly. That's a, yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Japan, I think, is that they can, they can appreciate, yeah, appreciate and、uh, like, yeah, love both sides of that. So, why do you like the scary stuff? Because my wife loves <laughs> the scary stuff, and I don't, I'm not a big, like, I like some scary stuff. I'm like, I'm like, you know, more thriller kind of a movie guy, but I'm not a big, you know, let's watch The Ring again. Mm. <laughs> That's a good question.、Um, I think, I don't know. I think when I was young, I liked scary things. And I was one of those people that read you know, Stephen King when I was probably 11 or 12 when The Shining came out. So it was very, everything was new to me. But、um, as far as Japan goes, I think what attracts me to it here is that Japan's such an old 
country, and mm -hmm. it seems like it seems like it goes hand in hand. Like the other side is is not so far away. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. For example, when I first got married and with my mother in law, um, she would just tell me things like um, oh, just so many things. Uh, you know, if I if I um, used uh, I bought some dishes or something, and I bought four dishes and um, I gave them to her, and she, she's, oh, they're very beautiful, but she just freaked out because there's four, and four means death, four and death. Um, or, or the holiday, you know, Setsubun with throwing um, beans to get the um, Oni, the devils, to chase them away and stuff, but it was like every day there was these things that she would say and these beliefs and these superstitions, and um, at first they were a little annoying because, because everything I did was wrong like you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that because you're gonna uh -huh. bring you know death and destruction onto the family but the more I kind of listen to her and ask questions and talk to other people I realized there's kind of a reason for everything so um, yeah it just became really fascinating and I wanted to get it out to a Western and English speaking audience because this is um, Japan and a lot of this stuff I, I read as many books as I could and I don't remember reading any of this mm -hmm. so that started the writing and then from the writing I had all this leftover stuff I'm like okay now what do I do with this because it didn't make it into the stories and then that began the podcast and that's where I am now. It's, it's interesting how like despite the big influence that Japan has had on you know the horror genre in general, or even just these stories in general. We were, my wife and I were watching, I don't, I don't even know what it was yesterday. I think it was like an episode of some TV show and like mm -hmm. the creepy ghost lady crawls across the floor with hair draped across her face and she's all mm. pale and white and <laughs> chic black hair. I'm like, holy smokes, like these, these horror stories, these, you know, these the women in white, the, 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 these Japanese yokai or whatever, mm -hmm. or, have influenced our culture just by the little bit we've been exposed to them, but there's just so much that they haven't been too exposed to at all. Right, right, right. That's my, that's my dream. That's my, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. That's my passion is to get that stuff out. But more and more, I mean, since the internet came around, because when I started this, there was like no, you know, very old here. Uh, there was they literally go to the library and pick up books and read the books and, you know, use a, a big dictionary to try to translate the characters and read. Um, but now, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. So people are digging around. I get, but, but still, even though that there's all this information out there, I get um, people that listen to the podcast. Just recently I got um, a lady that she's just, well, lady, she's a student at a university somewhere and told me her story and she um, found this weird quirky thing about Japan that she wanted me to um, to help her with because she's researched all she can in English and there's only so much she can find and uh, right. I'd never heard of it before. I'm like, oh, that is awesome. I said, that might just be an episode if that's okay because, yeah, people, um, they can they can dig up things and, yeah, but still there's still a lot out there that's not translated yet. Yeah, and there's so much that is now, so I was in common knowledge with them, like, the, you know, the comic books, the manga and things that have kind of brought light mm. to some of this stuff, but at the same time it's also kind of, I don't know, overshadowed what it used to be. Mm, like yeah. um, I'm gonna. I have a list here of uh, five monsters that almost every otaku here knows. <laughs> but uh, who actually are they? And I was curious if you could tell me who they were. Oh dear. Okay. Okay. You ready? Oh, okay. No. Number one. Who is the kitsune? Who is the yeah? Fox? What What is a kitsune? Because there's a lot kitsune, of mm -hmm. as in just the, the okay, um, a fox. 
usually a woman that can transform. They're very uh, shape shifting is very big in Japan. Mm -hmm. um, a trickster, um, also uh, usually a patron animal god of uh, shrines. Mm. So if you see the tori, the red tori um, gate in front mm -hmm. of a shrine, um, they um, often they'll have kitsunes um, on either side or something. And are they are they good or are they bad? Uh, I think that's another thing with uh, in the long history of all these. Uh, even like Kappa, like Kappa originally started out to be very nasty little folk, but they're also very cute. So Kitsune, I think, are both um, mm -hmm. kind of tricky and a little mischievous and malicious, maybe. But um, but there's still good stories with them too. So. Mm. I see. I know that's one of the biggest one. Get people. I had someone message me the other day just on Instagram. It's like, what's up with this nine-tailed fox thing in Japan? I just see nine-tailed fox, yeah. nine-tailed fox, nine-tailed fox. What is this kitsune thing? I'm just like, well, um, yes. <laughs> well, me too. You know, because I was. Uh, let's see. Uh, really quick. Uh, an aside is when I was doing a book signing back in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and someone, these two guys came and they listened, and they were like manga, anime enthusiasts, and they knew everything and they were asking me this question I'm like, you know I live there and I do all this stuff but I really don't have time to watch all the manga and read the anime so in a way they know that the nine-tailed kitsune and all that stuff they were saying I was like, okay um yeah I I, I need more time in a day <laughs> to, to get all that in amen to that okay who mm. what what are tanuki what are these raccoon dogs tanuki oh again shapeshifters kind of um they usually have like a, a Little what is it? A little flask of um, sake with them. Yes. Uh, I've got one in front of my house. They kind of bring good luck. Yeah, you can see them in um, restaurants in front of uh, like izake and stuff too. They thump their their little bellies and yeah, they're cute. I like tanuki a lot. Tanuki are really cute. They're really really cute. Mm. I, I always I, I couldn't figure out what they were when I first went to Japan. I just saw all these you know these weird looking bear things on people's doorsteps. <laughs> yes. I was like, what is, what in the, what is, is that? This little, the big straw hat. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they got this little sake thing, and they're sitting on this weird looking like, double barrel thing. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not quite what I thought it was. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, how much should I say about that? It was funny. I was writing a story, uh, a children's story once, and my agent was, um, it was about a tanuki, and uh, he read it. And he said, this is really good, and I researched tanuki, and he goes, can we just keep the part about their enormous testicles? <laughs> like, not talk about that person. I'm like, no, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they do have giant testicles, and it's really fun. <laughs> good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Okay, so the next one, and I know you like this one because this is part of your kind of your story of how you got into this stuff is the the kappa. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the kappa, yeah, I, there's very close to my heart. Um, so the, the story is when I very first came, first it's here, first married and came to the town and went to a temple near Mount Fuji. It was right under Mount Fuji. And walking around and there was um, kind of a... a it was a what's it called like a little hut. It was really dark, and it was um there was like slatted wood across it, like something was being held inside. And I looked in, and it was a kappa, but it was really had this presence to it, like it was, it was creepy, but it was just like the eyes or something. And I go, what? 
the heck is that? I had no idea what it was, and it just stuck with me because it's got the beak and the, the the freaky hair and the shell back and the webbed feet and hands. And it wasn't until I came home and I asked around that people started, oh, that's a kappa, and they started talking about it. So, uh, yeah, immediately went to the library and started reading up on that. But they are just these aquatic little, they're called, some people say water sprites, but not really. They really mm -hmm. are just kappas. They're, um, again, mischievous. Um, even what's really interesting is even to this day in like some rivers, there's one uh, Abe River near my, kind of near my house, uh, there's areas where you're not allowed to swim and I was like, oh, I can't, why can't you swim there? And people are swimming over there and I don't know why you can't swim there. And they said, well, there's a kappa that lives down there and he'll pull you and drown you, uh, especially children, if you swim there. So it's just like one little area of the river that nobody goes to because they still believe there's a kappa in there that, that comes out and will pull you down. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty. I like that there's I like that there's still stories and that people still still believe them. That's just that's just wonderful. No, it, it kind of brings us. I don't know. It that's that to me is when you kind of come front to the for lack of a better term, real Japan. I remember when I lived in mm -hmm. uh, Nagano Prefecture, um, mm -hmm. in a little little tiny town called Ina between uh, Tatsuno and Ida, just this tiny oh. little town mm -hmm. on the Tendugawa, and. Mm. You know, I just left, you know, the middle of Nagoya to come up and, you know, go in this little tiny town for, I think I was there for eight months or so uh -huh. on my LDS mission. And it was kind of interesting. I came, instead of seeing all the, you know, the nice shiny bits of Nagoya and this giant train station and, you mm -hmm. know, the immaculate subway system and, you know, <laughs> the buildings that are way over my head as this, you know, 19-year-old coming from Nebraska. And I go out to this countryside and there's, you know, all these dilapidated houses and yeah. these old, old ruins of temples that are just kind of just chilling there right beside my house, you know, a couple yeah. of trees growing around and it's just <laughs> there. And uh -huh. it, it's, it's, it's really awesome. I, I loved it because it was like growing up around this ancient ruins and an old story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All the stories that you really get when you live here, especially in the Inaka, is you get the just the feeling that everything, that the earth, you know, is just so old. And and yeah, like the history. Um, by my house, there's a tiny little shrine, and I didn't know what it was. It was just small and cute. And wow, uh, I went by and I was reading it. And I, am I reading that kanji right? And I read it again. And then I started asking around, and it's called uh, Kubizuka Jinja. And what it is is it's back in the day on that road. Um, some samurai came through, and they just went through and lopped off the heads of everyone that lived there and lined them up on the road. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. But uh, it, then it was haunted after that. Of so, course. Of course. <laughs> so then they had to build the jinja, and they had to, um, Osamiru, they had to, you know, pray for the heads and bury them in the bodies and everything. And then it was, you know, now that that's there, it's okay. But it's just crazy, <laughs> the story. I don't know how old it is. I don't know the details. But, Yeah. So Kubizuka Jinja, yeah, the, the head grave Jinja shrine. That's oh, nuts, but wonderful in a weird way. Yeah, no, no, it was actually <laughs> reminds me of thinking of going to those Jinjas. I went to last year, I was in uh, Kyoto, and I got mm -hmm. into like the exercise, one of those major exercising Jinjas. Oh. <laughs> they had like all the stars on things. They walked around, they're white and, the, they're white and red and the little rain-making sticks. It was exciting and yeah. super cool, I thought. <laughs> but uh, I remember they were selling... Um, and this has become pretty popular lately in the States because people have been watching the Netflix special Terrace House. Oh, okay. And they, ga and they gave a uh, omamori. Oh, okay. And so 
uh, um, how would you explain to somebody what an omamori is? I tried to, I tried to explain it's like, it's like a charm, but it's a, uh, it can protect you or give you like a good wish, but it's, you know, in some places it's like evil against evil spirits. And sometimes it's just like, do your best kind of a thing. Exactly. And there's so many different ones. So if you go to a bigger temple, um, they have like, and you know this, they have the box boxes all lined up mm-hmm. and you get for a safe driving or to pass uh, university exams yeah. or if you want a relationship or you want a baby or they're just like custom <laughs> to whatever wish you want. <laughs> and I actually, I feel, I feel really lucky. One day I was in, oh, it's somewhere in Kyoto. It was a big temple. And I saw the priest come out and, okay, you know this. Um, yeah. They have these giant urns full of like ash and they put incense mm-hmm. in it. So anyone can come and light incense and stick it in the ash and make their prayers. Yep. But he went and he scooped out a bunch of incense, like the ash, and he went to the back and I was kind of looking and he was filling the omamori little whatever little cloth little, things the with the bags. ash. So, cause you never open them. You just have right. them, right? And you can, you mm-hmm. can put them on your purse or you can put them in your car. But you don't know what's in them. And I, my, I once asked my mother-in-law if I could open it. And she goes, oh, no, you don't want to open that because, you know, your good luck will go away. So I never knew what was inside. But um, evidently there's a little ash and probably a prayer. But, um, yeah, pretty much when people go to temples, that's what they do, right? You buy your omamori for whatever you need at the time. And, no, I have, uh, I have one from, uh, I think it was Kato Oyama. Kato's, oh, okay. Because that's where I, I, I love Tengu. Tengu is my, um, one of my, my favorite little thing. I, I think they're cool. I got big nose too, and so I relate. <laughs> but uh, my one of my friends, he went back to the Kato Oyama, and he brought me back an Omamori from there, and so I've been having it on my keychain. But I guess you're supposed to change them out like every six months or so. Yes, yes. I thought, yeah, six months to a year. And then you go back, and you have to give them back to the temple, and they'll, they'll put them all together and burn them and do prayers and yeah, I'm not good at doing that. I always forget. <laughs> I just yeah, keep yeah. on. I've had this one for like a year now. I think I'm getting bad luck from it at this point. I gotta take gotta take it back <laughs> gotta, to Japan. Gotta get it and get a new one. <laughs> and I also heard another thing I learned was that if you have too many, like too oh. many omamoris or too many like good luck things, uh-huh. that it's bad luck because the gods, like of course in Shinto, there's mm-hmm. different gods, but they um they fight with each other. They get jealous with each other. Right. So if you've got like you know. 15 omamoris instead of getting you know 15 times good luck you're actually lessening your luck because the gods are angry that you've, you've invited other gods in and stuff it's <laughs> it's crazy you gotta choose me I, you can't be flirting yeah. around with all these other gods <laughs> that's right that's right safe driving safe driving <laughs> that's right okay who do I need here I gotta pick between my safe driving or passing this <laughs> quiz uh, exactly uh, guess I'm walking like <laughs> <laughs> that's good I like those in the in the in the in the, the Emma. The Emma ah. are kind of cool. Mm, mm. They're uh, um... the, the, those those are exciting. We did uh, um, my first semester back at university after my mission. Uh, mm-hmm. I made an Enma board and we put it up in the Japanese house oh, for New Year's. And we all put up our Enma. And it was kind of I thought I thought it was really cute. I'm like yeah. Those are fun too, and you can write more on them, and you can yeah hang them up. And there's for different temples, they have different you know the the horse or something else on them, and yeah, those are kind of cool. So, so if you need good luck, go to Japan because that's where it's all at, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Your rabbit's foot will only go so, take you so far, guys. Yes, yes. You need know, omamori with prayers and ash in it, and mm-hmm. an inma to hang. <laughs> okay, so 
tell us a little bit more about about your show. So what 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 exactly? If people are thinking maybe I'll go listen to Terry's show, she sounds like she she's got some major connection to Pokemon here. What what, what, what why should I go and check out Uncanny Japan? <laughs> um, so basically, like like I mentioned a little bit earlier, is it's all the research and stuff that I. So when I start doing, I want to do a story, and I just start researching something, and go down rabbit holes, and there's so much good stuff, and I, I'm translating it as I go along, and I'm keeping notebooks, and I have all this, um, like everything from soup, uh, superstitions, um, even words, like words we have in Japanese that aren't in English, or uh, again, yokai. Um, I think my next one, I'm going to put up one pretty soon, but the one after that, I think I am going to do Tengu actually. Um, all kinds of uh, old wives' tales too. There's a lot of really, really, really fascinating old wives' tales, and like you uh, have to scrub the toilet if you're pregnant, so your kid's really pretty. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, or or yeah, there are some, and and Japan's not huge, but even area to area, they just change a little bit. You know, yep. like um, spiders, um, spiders. If you use morning spiders and night spiders. If you see a morning spider, it's good luck. You should never kill a morning spider because it brings right luck. But on the other hand, if you see a night spider, which you know could be the same spider, you have to kill it because night spiders bring burglars into the house and stuff. Um, have you read but, uh, Mushi no Iroiro? No, that sounds interesting. It kind of talks a little bit of it, not necessarily about that, but it talks about the uh, different temperament of all the bugs in Japan. It's, it was very, oh, cool. it's a cute little story. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it talks about like, the spiders, about being patient. The spider is mm. the most patient because it will sit there in the windowsill and it will wait and wait and wait until it do- it doesn't have to wait anymore, and it will catch oh. its prey. So you can learn the spider is patient. Oh, I like that. Oops, the computer just okay. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I was just going to say real quick. Um, so, yeah, so the, the spider went to, um, depend, so for the most part, you know, it's morning spiders good, night spiders are bad. Um, but in Kyushu, because of the Hogan, the, the, the dialect, um, spider is kumo usually, but there it's yeah. kobu. So yoru kobu would mean night spider in mm-hmm. Kyushu, but yoru kobu also means happiness. So it's the opposite there because right. if there's a, if you see a night spider oh it's a yorokoku it makes you happy so you wouldn't kill a night spider there so just little things like that <laughs> i try to put in the podcast just all these little quirky and, and it's very short it's only 10 to 15 minutes um i use binaural mics to um m- the idea is to um have you in japan like i'm telling you a story about japan while you're with me in japan so go to the beach or walk along rice fields with um, frogs and crickets or something, uh, birds, rain, storms, all that stuff. So I try to do different ones each month. And uh, yeah, that's fun too. So people, well, I get a lot of mail, people who listen to it. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, a car goes by and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> but it's just the binaural mics. <laughs> so. Well, you mentioned that you used to go on walks with them. And that's why I thought it was so good. Because like, I mean, like, we do a lot of editing over here and try to, you know, I got five minutes to tell somebody how to, you know, use toieba. Mm-hmm. Come up with good example <laughs> yeah. sentences for it. But I, mm. I like I, I like those walks. I mean, I was talking with, um, who was I talking? I mean, it was, I don't think it was with you. I think it was with, 
who was this with? It may have been my friend uh, Shota from Kyoto, but it's uh, uh-huh. when you go around Kyoto, one of the best things you can ever do is just go off the beaten path and just take a walk around there because it there's a, a element of peace that you get about mm. just taking a nice walk around Japan. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. why all the authors that I've ever read mention it, just going on little walks, and that's how, how their all their stories almost start up. You know, from Endo Shusaku all the way to Murakami, mm-hmm. everyone's always just going on walks. Yeah, yeah. There is something, again, out of the city, in the country. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm there. I'm with that. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Well, I think you're. Do- I think you're just doing an a, a amazing job, and you guys should listen because actually, I, I find the car sound. I, the car sounds don't bother me. I, I think it's quite lovely. It's like you're going on a walk with Terry every week. <laughs> exactly. You, exactly. You just kind of chill out, and she can t- she can enlighten you in more ways than one when it comes to Aww. Japanese folklore. Thank you. Mm. Okay, so with with that though, I do want to uh, make sure everybody knows to go check that. And but you also have something that you do on Patreon as well, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that is, uh, so, bedtime stories. So what I've decided to do is find old folklore, folklore um, tales, anything, um, something in Japanese. Again, try to get stuff that's a little out of the mainstream. Sorry about that. Um, so what I do is I go back and I find all these folk tales and folklore and stuff a little bit um not your normal ones, like Momotaro and, and these things, something that's a little less known. Uh, translate it, kind of reimagine it, because some of these stories don't end exactly great, so I just kind of retell it. And uh, read that to um, my patrons. So it's, I call it a bedtime story. The music, my son does the music, is really cool, this like creepy background music bed. And so every month I do that. There's postcards I paint. Um, freaky <laughs> Japanese kind of uh, they can be anything uh, the one I just did last time was um, the Jimin Gyo, the fish that has a human face so I did a funky one um, that's uh, part of the patron thing and little care packages like little envelopes with stuff like um, food or whatever stationary goods so that's really fun um, I really appreciate like Incredibly, everyone that's that's supporting me and everyone's so sweet and so supportive, and uh, it's just a wonderful little community. So that, yeah, that too. Um, I didn't think it would be as wonderful as it is, but it really is. These people are, are amazing. Good. No, I actually ha- that's the one thing I haven't been able to check out yet. Is I want I want to listen to these stories, so I'm gonna have to become a patron now so I can. Oh, I, I'll send you some. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But everybody should go check it out. It's it's a lot of fun there. And we're now trying to step on Patreon. So if you guys haven't checked that out yet, we have extra episodes mm. and you get first lining questions for grammar too. So you go check out our Patreon. Just search up Manga Ooh. Sensei or Uncanny Japan. And you can find both of those on their fancy little website. Mm. But uh, with that, I do we do have to run Terry Leads Busy Life and I got to edit this before the day's up. So... <laughs> <laughs> Because I want to get this taken care of because I've been putting this off so everyone knows. I, we've actually interviewed Terry twice and she's been kind of to go through this. But unfortunately, I either lose files or something happens to my computer as in the first time. And so um, I want everyone to know how kind she's been to not only come on once, not only twice, but three times to retell just no. how exciting her stuff is, though. So we really it's do totally appreciate fine. it, Terry. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. No, thank you. All right. Remember, everybody, it takes 10,000 mistakes to become fluent in Japanese, but it becomes a lot easier when you can find something that you really, really enjoy doing. So if you like Japanese folktales, you like stories, you like creepy stories like my wife does or Terry does, and y'all can enjoy scary things by yourself over there. Uh, <laughs> um, definitely go check out Uncanny Japan. All of her links will be down below in the show notes, so make sure to check that out as well. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Until then, jane. Bye-bye. Thank you.